Welcome to Sky Women. I'm your host, Dr. Carolyn Moyers, a wife, mom, and board-certified OB-GYN. This is a place to educate, empower, and inspire. Join us each week as we share the power of women's stories. Real women, real stories, real inspiration. Put on your stretchy pants. Let's get going. Welcome, Sky community. Welcome back to another episode. You will not regret showing up today. We have with us Dr. Christy Tuff DeSabri. She is an internal medicine physician with a focus on bone health. And this is something that we haven't talked about yet in the Sky community. And I'm so excited to have you. Welcome. Thank you, Dr. Myers. Thank you. I'm so excited we met at the menopause conference and that we are uh, recording together today. Yes, me too. The Menopause Society meeting was phenomenal. And I'm really excited to have met so many uh, who are doing good work in this space because women in midlife really need our help. Absolutely. I mean, I think that is always the the best part of going. It's the education and then the feeling that there are a lot of people in our like us who want to see women, want to deliver great care, want to listen, want to make midlife women and change uh, their change our trajectory, right? And and there's so many ways that we can do that, both in the office and then educating, like you're doing, and podcasting, and and just kind of getting the right messages out there from an evidence based midlife women's perspective. Yeah, absolutely. So tell us briefly how you got so interested in bone health. Yeah, so I'm I'm a board certified internist, but I actually we talked when I started in OBGYN and I have some fellowship training um, at the Cleveland Clinic and in, in, in bone in uh, menopause. And that's actually where I learned uh, a little bit about osteoporosis. I saw women who had osteoporosis and I sort of felt like no one was really treating them or this was the kind of a condition was a little bit sort of obscure who took with the endocrinologist treating or the internist gynecologist treating. And I thought I want to learn more about this so I can help these women. So I, I think that the natural extension of menopause and cardiovascular and urinary issues and breast health, I mean, there's so many different topics, but I think yeah. bone health is yeah. one that's silent, maybe not as glamorous and sexy, but is one that obviously impacts all of us. I, I just wrote my newsletter for my patients. And I was saying that October, I love October because it's uh, the month of skeletons. And I love remi- like reminding us that skeletons, our skeleton is what keeps us up mobile, protects our internal organs, and then also has a reservoir of calcium um, and vitamin D. So fast forward, I've run a lot of osteoporosis programs, both in gynecology and the hospital system at Northwestern. And always really wanted to both diagnose, evaluate, and treat osteoporosis. And I find it rewarding as well as challenging every single day. Amazing. So let's talk about what bone health actually is. I mean, it's so significant for women, especially in midlife, when we go through that perimenopause, menopause transition, and we have a rapid decline in our bone density. But what does that actually mean? Yeah, so... This field, I think, of health and wellness and things is is always important, but we have to remember that most of the times that we're identifying problems at menopause or midlife or later, but really the concerns or the issues start earlier. So when we think about our bones, again, we develop our bones in utero, we strengthen and mineralize our bones through our teens, our 20s, even up until our early 30s, where we achieve something called peak bone mass, where is all the bone that we're going to form both in our long bones that are primarily made 
of cortical bone and trabecular bone, which is primarily in our spine and our femoral neck and other compartments. And so when we think about bone health, we really have to like look back to the perimenopausal years, the reproductive years, the 20s and 30s, because that shapes a lot of what our bone mineral density. And I call that our bone bank is for our patients. Again, we always want to think about family history, genetics, lifestyle, medications, medicines. Again, like I said, reproductive periods of amenorrhea. So it's really important we think about bone health. We put all those things kind of in the pot and consider them. And you referred to menopause and perimenopause. And we know even like the years before the final menstrual period, which everyone thinks menopause is a snapshot in time, but really, again, this is a transition until the final menstrual period and then the post-menopause, but we can lose um, primarily up to 20% of our bone mass. For some women, we know thinner women with family history of osteoporosis lose more bone density. Uh, And again, this is all silent bone loss. This is not joint pain. This is not arthritis. We heard a lot about that at the menopause conference too. Those things can uptick. We know 50% of women at the age of 50 have started to have concerns with joint pains. A lot of that is probably used related to injury or estrogen deficiencies and things like that are creeping up. But we know bone loss occurs. And so that's why we start to care about it at menopause. And at 50, we or whenever women have undergone menopause, we should evaluate for bone health, which includes a fracture risk assessment, which is actually can be done online. It's through a, a freely accessible tool called FRAC score, which helps determine what your what your fracture risk is. It looks at your weight and your height and your family history, some genetic things. Some medicines, if you are a smoker, drinker, alcohol, sedentary lifestyle, and it kind of helps us. But we can also do a DEXA scan, which is very common, very also very widely available. Now it's in the hospitals and clinics. It's even in some freestanding places now, which assess the is really a, a best assessment for um, bone mineral density and bone strength. We scan a couple different sites, spine and hip. Um, and really get some valuable information about fracture risk, about bone density, about just talking about your risk factors for bone loss and what we can, again, do to prevent bone loss and prevent fractures, as well as maintain the bone strength through our menopause years and, and beyond. Yeah, well, you brought it up. That's a great segue. Let's talk about that. What are the preventative measures? Yeah, so, so many. I mean, this is something like, again, I do every single day. I'm so fortunate that I can do the DEXA scan and really like have the information at my fingertips and say, this is the difference between your spine and your hip. This is hindsight's 2020. You smoked in your 20s. Okay, well, now you don't smoke. Good for you. You had history of amenorrhea because you were an athlete. Okay, well, now we need to put that into the mix here. you had early menopause. They see so many women who have menopause before age 45 and they sort of say, well, I didn't even know this affected my bones. So age at menopause, knowing your risk factors, like knowing what's important. It's kind of like knowing if you didn't know you should floss, you wouldn't floss, right? The dentist tells you you should floss. Knowing your risk factors, knowing what is what your calcium, your vitamin D uh, intake is, what your childhood looks like, things like that are also important. When we think about prevention, I always think like in bigger scales, we have lifestyle modifications, which include like exercise and supplements and dietary things. And then we have pharmacology, like medications, therapies that we know to offset bone loss, just like we have the same in terms of if we were to treat someone with vasomotor symptoms or hot flashes or vaginal dryness and painful intercourse. And these are very common things that are, again, common at menopause. We don't talk about, and we have so many treatment options for now. And it's the same with bone health. So 
things like calcium, adequate calcium intake, it doesn't always need to be from dairy sources. It can be from non-dairy sources. It can be from certain supplements if you can safely take those without constipation and you can absorb those correctly. And those, again, have to be at appropriate doses for who you are, what your medical history is, what you can take. Vitamin D, having a 25 hydroxy vitamin D level that gets drawn, that level varies. I mean, that intake varies based on level, based on where you live. Uh, again, absorption, color of your skin, et cetera. So generally a 25 hydroxy vitamin D level should be between 40 to 60 nanograms per milliliter. And then in terms of all these other things, I mean, we know adequate body mass index is important so to um, control, again, how much mass that we're putting on our bones and how much um, we are sort of moving around. We know things like adequate protein are important. We know things like, again, calcium in the diet are important as well. Mm-hmm. And then exercise. This is such a, I'm doing a Instagram live next week on exercise at in midlife with one of my local physical therapists who I send my patients do to help with balance or resistance or safely exercising if beyond this, the scope that I can do with my office visits is we want to do resistance exercise. We want to do aerobic exercise and we want to do posture and balance exercise. And it doesn't all need to be so convoluted and, and complex. I always try and simplify with what patients are doing, what they can do, and then what we can add on. So those things are so important. And I always find practically women in their fifties and sixties, the balance Piece. And even in their people, um, if you can balance for 20 seconds on one foot, I should have everyone do it. You can stand up and do that while we're talking here is that is really important. And we know that um, decreases as we age and our proprioception and how we feel in the world or medicines. We know so many issues with vestibular things happen. How many women with menopause come to you with vestibular issues and balance issues? So working on those things to maintain the balance, so you don't fall, right? Yeah. Because yeah. I always 90%. say training for life. We're training for life. Right. I love that. 90% of falls have hip fractures happen from a sideways fall. So again, and when you're in your forties and your fifties and your thirties, even you're not thinking about these things, but sure. you know, okay. life happens. We, I always say we all age. So we want to, you know, do that gracefully. So working on those things now actually help you so much for the future. And I love when my patients come back and are like, Dr. Snapper, like you can't even imagine I can balance so great now, or (laughs) I can do like a hundred sit to stands and I'm doing so great. Or like I've started to lift weights and I'm doing my resistance bands. And so there are a lot of small tweaks that actually go a long way for prevention. Also, we remember these things are also important for when we treat osteoporosis. So calcium, vitamin D, these are still the building blocks too of what we're doing. And then when we think about prevention, we always, this is something that the menopause society has in its guidelines is that hormone therapy for the right person, for the right indications, but the right age, the right duration, the right timing, really the one of the big indications for hormone therapy is to prevent bone loss and to prevent osteoporosis related fractures, like fractures of your spine, hip, non-vertebral fractures, like your wrist. And so that is really important and can't be underscored enough. We don't hear about that because we're not, again, it's not symptomatic. We're not having a hot flash and breaking our hip. Thank God. But like, but we, we need to know that these things um, are related and they're hormone therapy for women with osteoporosis or osteopenia or at high risk for fracture, this is a prevention as well as a treatment. And again, always requires, that's why we're both menopause providers and we've studied this and we've passed tests and we continue to educate our knowledge and read the menopause journal and do all these things. So we can, again, educate the right patients, 
make sure there's no risk there. Talk about the benefit risk profile. Talk about the different types of hormone therapy that many women are um, not receiving, but absolutely could be counseled on that. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. I've got a couple of rapid fire questions that I want to do, and then we'll go into a couple of other things. Calcium intake. So I know that there's been some back and forth about how much calcium we can consume daily. And again, this is general knowledge. This is not Mm -hmm. specific medical advice. So please seek information from your healthcare provider. But in a general knowledge, I know the last I was aware, we're wanting to focus more on getting our calcium through our diet and less with taking these high doses of calcium. Yeah, I mean, it's generally recommended for most women who are in the period of postmenopausal period that we get 1200, 12 to 1500 milligrams of elemental calcium a day. So yes, I mean, there are a lot of calciums in a lot of different supplements. It can be in multivitamins. It can even be in like airborne. I mean, there's calcium in lots of different places. Nutritionally, we think again, nutritionally, calcium might be better absorbed. It has always a good source of generally has is coupled with a good source of protein as well for calcium. A lot of people are into the the lifestyle I recommend is the Mediterranean lifestyle. And again, that is like whole foods and dairy is one of them. And again, if you're intolerant to dairy, there's lactose options, lactose free options, there's so many nut-based milks. There's a lot of ways. And I there's an inter the International Osteoporosis Foundation or IOF.org has a calcium calculator that I send a lot of my patients to. So you can like put in what you eat during the day. You can spit out some recommendations on like calcium and then you can see where you're getting. And if you're getting enough from food, you might not eat a supplement. What I find in my practice is many women are woefully getting underserved with their calciums. And if they can't take a calcium supplement, they don't want to take a supplement. They need to change and add some things to their diet that are their calcium. Calcium builds and mineralizes our bones. So important. Right. Okay. I want to ask you about Depo-Provera because I have had patients who are sent to me for a second opinion because they've been on Depo-Provera, which is a medication that we often use for controlling menstrual cycles for pregnancy prevention. So this is a contraception agent, but sometimes providers think that they need to come off of it in two years because of bone density. Your thoughts? Right. So this is a kind of a contentious area. We know that certain contraceptives, I'm actually giving a lecture on this in a couple of weeks. So we know that in contraceptives, I'll just sort of back up so I can, the contraceptive pills, like combined oral contraceptives, like we call that sort of the pill, we know really does not affect the bone mineral density, doesn't improve it or dis or decrease it pretty much at, you know, at, at all levels, even in the menarche right before, right after periods or, or really in the perimenopausal period. But we again know hormone therapy where we add back some hormones around the period of postmenopausal period can offset bone loss. Depo-Provera, progestin only, these higher dose progestogens, we know that they decrease bone mineral density. However, we're giving them to generally women who are in their reproductive ages where they can regain the bone mineral density if they stop these. You know, they're they are still used. We see them used with a population of women who cannot take estrogen containing contraceptives. So we do know that they decrease the bone mineral density, but most of the studies do not show that they increase fracture risk because many of these women are low fracture risk to begin with. What's really important though is that you're on adequate doses of calcium, vitamin D, And a lot of these women I see or might have other conditions like endometriosis or chronic pelvic pain. And there's other indications for that medication indications. And then, so we do need to make sure they're getting adequate calcium, vitamin D. The question about doing a DEXA scan, if you do look at the scientific literature from ACOG, the American College of Gynecology, they do not recommend routine DEXAs when you're on depot. 
Clinical practice is a, a little bit different though, right? So sometimes if we are concerned that someone is either fracturing, high risk for a fracture, they have a stress fracture, we're concerned because maybe they've been on a longer than two years of Depo-Provera, that might be an indication to get a DEXA. Sometimes the insurance pushes back on that. I think sometimes what the scientific studies say with what we do in clinical medicine. So I think if there's a couple years, other risk factors, we might think about doing a DEXA scan and we would look primarily at the Z-score to compare bones to someone of a similar age, race, and sex match, not the T-score, which is usually erroneously correct calculated. Okay. So I love that you brought that up because how do we define osteopenia and osteoporosis? What does it mean anyways? Yeah. So osteoporosis is what it means is porous or thin bones. If we look at the Greek roots. So osteoporosis means that there's a, the, the skeleton, like I talked about the, the, both the cortical bone and the trabecular bone have decreased in density, which increases your risk for fractures, that deterioration, both in microarchitecture, bone quality, bone strength increases your risk for an osteoporosis related fracture. We can diagnose osteoporosis two ways. One is if you've had a osteoporosis or low trauma fracture, so a fracture from a standing height or less, which could be a wrist fracture, a hip fracture, a spine fracture from a twist, turn, or bend. And actually two thirds of spinal fractures can be silent. I just saw a patient on Monday who'd lost an inch of height in the year, oh. over two years. And I did an x-ray and she has had a vertebral fracture. These are woefully underdiagnosed. If you have back pain and you've had height loss, and you're over age 60, you really should be, someone should be looking to make sure you have not had a fracture. And the other way is a T-score diagnosis is what we talked about from the bone mineral density. It is the best way that we, we measure the bone strength through the dual energy x-ray absorptiometry. And then we sort of look at the bell curve of the bone mineral density divided by the care uh, area. And that gives us sort of a standard deviation from normal. So a T-score of minus 2.5 or lower, which is two and a half standard deviations from the normal, the mean for someone who's in of a, nor of a peak bone mass, so someone in their 30s, that is osteoporosis. Severe osteoporosis, if you've had a fracture and you have a T-score of minus 2.5 or lower. Both of those categories, you absolutely need a bone health evaluation whether it be with a gynecologist, an internist, an endocrinologist, a rheumatologist, someone you can find on the Bone Health and Osteoporosis Foundation, someone you can find on the Menopause Society. I'm uh, Again, it's really important that we evaluate at least and uh, possibly treat osteoporosis. Maybe we can come back and talk about that another time. Yeah. And then osteopenia would be precursor to that. We actually use the term osteo a low bone mass for that. But again, those women, I always I say, it's not that you want to just be like, great, I don't have osteoporosis and go on your merry way. We want to maintain the bone mass. So sometimes we use calcium, vitamin D medications, hormones, serums, bisphosphonates. We use a lot of exercise. We can still, we still want to know that's an important indicator. It's pre-hypertension. You're not like, great, everything looks great. We're like, we want to watch this. This is not a- Right. Not let's wait until you get a fracture. We don't need to do exactly. anything until you Exactly. Yeah. And okay. so it's so common and I, so it's so important to know where you, where you are and, and get that information for yourself. Absolutely. So when should we be getting a DEXA scan? Yeah. So most women don't get a DEXA scan until age 65, which is too late. So yeah. we know from Medicare data, 65, 25% of women are, or less are getting adequately screened at 65. So we need to do a DEXA between the time of menopause. And remember that can be 40 for some women if they go into yeah. early menopause, yeah. right? So anywhere from the time of menopause until 65, if women have risk factors for bone loss, pretty much every person walking around, I think has a risk factor for osteoporosis. Mm -hmm. If you're seeing me because you're female, 
your post or perimenopausal. A lot of women have a family history of fractures or thinning, or they, even if they didn't diagnose osteoporosis, they're like, oh, my mom lost height. She ends up with a fracture. My grandmother had a fracture. Someone, um, low calcium, low vitamin D intake. These are risk factors. Like I said, there's so many medications like steroids, medical history, like diabetes, rheumatoid arthritis, inflammatory bowel diseases. All of these are so common. And so we really need to identify those things. And if you have those, then you should get a screening DEXA. The Bone Health and Osteoporosis Foundation is such, and the Menopause Society has some great information too on risk factors for bone loss. And then advocating, I think the hardest is I'd like to get a DEXA scan. And some patients come to me and say, my provider wouldn't do it for me. And then they did it and I have osteoporosis. That always it's, I hear it at least a couple times a, a week. So we really do need to get better at, we educate women on getting their pap smears and, and getting their mammograms and getting a screening cholesterol and knowing your blood pressure numbers. I mean, there's so much to do. I get it. I get it when men midlife, but really, again, when we think about the next 30 to however, 40% of our life that are going to be in the, lived in the post-menopause Osteoporosis related fractures are more common yeah. than breast cancer, strokes, and heart attacks combined when we look at the annual incidence. So if you're living to 80, chances are you're going to have a fracture more than you're going to have a breast cancer. So, right, and right. balance all comes into play. So I really think of bone health as a holistic, not just preventing the fractures, but also preventing falls, talking to you about adequate nutrition, calcium, vitamin D, and everything we do at menopause. Uh, agree, agree completely. So we're running out of time, but I do want us to just talk about some medical interventions briefly, just to give a broad overview. Sure. So yeah, we have so many different types of classes of medicines. We have bisphosphonates, which are oral options that prevent bone loss, things like alendronate, resedronate, abandronate. We have an IV or intravenous form, which is called zoledronic acid or zolendronate. We have one that's subcutaneously given called denosumab. I'm using all the uh, generic names here. Those all offset bone loss. Hormone therapy also offsets bone loss. It's an anti-resorptive therapy, as well as things like we have a, a medicine that came back on the market, something oh, it's conjugated estrogen with vasodoxephine, which is also highly indicated for women with vasomotor symptoms and prevention of bone loss. We have things like, we always forget about the classes. We call those estrogen agonists, antagonists, or CIRMs, things like raloxifene or tamoxifen, which sometimes people think, oh, only people use those in breast cancer, but we know that they're highly effective for preventing bone loss in the spine primarily, and can be very great dual actions for women who have a high family history of estrogen receptor positive breast cancer, or even that themselves. And then we have other medicines that boost or build the bone. This is a newer class of medicines, but we have had them for since 2002. So we have some daily injections which are called abaloperatide and teriparatide. They sound very scary, but honestly, nowadays with the injectables that we're giving for migraine and for weight loss, these are like no big deal for a lot of my patients. I counsel them, you know, on these are medicines that boost or build the bone density. They're called osteoanabolic agents. We know that they're highly effective, highly safe as well. And they really, for patients who are at high risk, those women, ones I, those women identified with like a family, or sorry, with a strong risk of a fracture, 
prior fracture, age over 70, or low T-score, we really should be thinking about the bone building or anabolic agents first if those are if you have no contraindications. And then there's a newer class of medicines called um, anti-esclerostin uh, inhibitors, which are is one called romasosumab, which was FDA approved in 2019, which actually combines both bone building and a bone resorptive effect. And it's a, also a, a monthly injection given by a healthcare provider. So I always say we have a lot of options, but it, again, we have to always like what we do so important in midlife women's health is really individualized therapy. Sure. Uh, I can recommend things and I can say based on your medical history, this, or based on your risk of osteoporosis, I think that, but again, many of our things come down to talking about calcium, vitamin D, the medication, the efficacy, the potential adverse events, safety issues, and a lot of things that people have a lot of questions about and need There's a lot of media coverage about osteoporosis, I think, in a negative light, but we have to remember, again, the medicines are used to treat fractures, not not cause them. So um, we have to look about, think about the end goal uh, of our therapy too. Yeah. Awesome. Well, this has been so much important information. (laughs) I I feel like the key takeaways really are understanding that your hormone therapy can actually help your bone health. That if you do have osteoporosis, there's so many options for treatment. Um, you just listed a, a, a variety of drugs. There's a buffet to choose from. Um, and third, that there's so many lifestyle interventions and dietary things that we can do to help preserve our bone health. Anything you would add? Yeah, no, I think it's so, again, it gets forgotten. So I'm happy you're highlighting it on your podcast to educate and inspire and create awareness because it it does sometimes start from the patient. And so I do think learning this for yourself or recognizing this is important if you haven't had a DEX or if you've had a DEX and you're what I say, like to my patients, kind of sitting on it, like, oh, I know I had that, uh, but I didn't do anything about it. I don't know who to see. I don't, what are they going to tell me otherwise? Yeah. It's so important to you. Can, there are things to be done, whether it's just also monitoring calcium, vitamin D and learning about the treatment options. And that's what I think um, I love doing because I do think, again, there is so much to be learned in this field and so much to still be shared. And again, at the, at the end of the day, for most of what we do in midlife women's care, it's optimizing health, functioning, and then lifespan, health span, like the things that we're thinking yeah. about when we're yeah. going to be 50, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80. I really think we need to think of women in, in different decades of life and, and make sure that we're thinking now for the future and every decade thinking that uh, uh, in, that, in that sort of light. Oh, I love it. Yeah. So tell everyone where they can find you. Yeah. So I am geographically probably way north. I'm like probably due north of you. So I'm in a Chicagoland area. I have a practice called Bone and Body Women's Health, which is a specialized midlife women's care practice in Winnetka, Illinois. I do see patients virtually. And then I have an office space with a DEXA scanner and do some gynecology, specialized gynecology and menopause and osteoporosis care. And on social, where are you? Oh, on social. Okay. So yes, I'm not, I'm learning this. <laughs> I am on Instagram and it's a bone and body spelled out B-O-N-E-A-N-D-B-O-D-Y-W-H. So yes, you can find me there. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank my you website. so much for joining uh-huh. us today. Okay. Thank you. All right, Sky community. Thank you for listening to another episode. This episode was sponsored by Sky Women's Health. As a reminder, we're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and we help relieve back pain and pelvic pain in pregnancy and beyond. If you are pregnant and having pain and you feel like you have no reliable way to relieve it, look us up at skywomenshealth.com 
request an appointment, and we'll call to get you scheduled. As a board-certified OB-GYN with a Neuromusculoskeletal Medicine Fellowship, I help you realign with hands-on drug-free treatment and relieve pain on the spot without medication. We'll help you maintain these results through your pregnancy and postpartum period. Every pregnant person deserves this, and we are so excited to serve you. You can find us on our website, as mentioned, or on social at Sky Women's Health, or you can call the office at 817-915-9803. That's it for today. Until next week, be well.